I got some of those emails too. And I picked up the phone and we, we talked. Hmm. What'd you tell them? I just wanted to listen to them. I wanted to listen to what their concerns were. And there were some things that I did not have an answer for, but I needed to hear where their hearts were and they needed to also hear where I was with this. This is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hey guys, welcome back to Yolitics. I got Uh, my wish. Which is? I, I Last week, I was saying I missed you. You know, we were True. apart, we were on a Zoom, and uh, I, I roped you in. Here we are together and, again. And normally we don't show our feet, but I'm embarrassed that I just threw on some, like, old shoes, and you have these nice polished uh, sna- snakeskin? What is that? Uh, that's not snakeskin, no. That would just be, like, tan leather, and uh, and I have long socks on. I'm, I'm not showing to, off ankle yeah, like I'm, you are I'm gonna hide. I'm going to hide mine down here. So <laughs> here, here we are at the end of April, the beginning of May, the legislature. Almost the end of the school year and the legislature. A lot of stuff not going on. Not that you're keeping track. No, uh, not, not that yet. we're keeping track. <laughs> um, so yeah, the legislature wraps up at the end of the month, May 29th. They, they have to adjourn on May 29th, and there's one issue, one issue that a lot of folks just don't think they're going to come to an agreement on that Republicans really want. Remember, Republicans are in charge, mm-hmm. and they've been talking about for years. It's finally gotten as far as it has, and that's school vouchers, rebranded now as education savings accounts. Well, and, and you know, you mentioned that a lot of people think that they might not get this across the finish line. Then again, they might. Uh, it, it looked like it was maybe kind of dead several weeks ago, and then it kind of revived itself again, and it's still being debated there at the Capitol. And the interesting thing with this is, is you know, usually you'll hear about Democrats and Republicans, and they're you know sort of at loggerheads. Uh, but this is you know even intra-party here. You know, the, uh, in a lot of cases, this is some Republicans across the state who have been raising a lot of objections to this, and 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 you know throwing some uh, wrenches into the works here. And so we will see it's getting refined as we go, and we don't know what might happen by the end. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if we get to the end of the legislative session, if this hasn't passed, that we may see a special session devoted to this. That's what everyone's telling me, is that this this is likely the issue that will go into a special session. We'll have Mm -hmm. to wait and see, because remember that the House, Democrats, joined by a a number of of suburban and rural Republicans, Mm -hmm. voted against this idea. But when we interviewed Governor Pat, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, the other day, he said, no, Jason, the issue is not dead. In the background, we're seeing Governor Abbott spending a lot of political capital. He was in North Texas recently, went to, uh, I believe he was in Irving, went to Fort Worth. He's traveling the state, still pushing this. Question is, why is he pushing this if the votes don't exist Mm. in the legislature? Or maybe he knows something that we don't. Something's going on in the background. So the issue of education savings accounts, there's private schools would, would benefit from this. Um, And the question is, how much Mm -hmm. and which private schools? And does it come at the cost of public schools? And for the first time, we've been seeing a a real concerted push here uh, to also include religious schools, uh, which before had not been a huge part of the conversation. And we're seeing momentum moving in in a direction here. And we're seeing pushback to that as well. So uh, we decided today that it would be great to have on somebody uh, from the diocese, uh, from any diocese. And uh, we (laughs) We only reached out to one. Well, we reached out specifically 
specifically to the Dallas Diocese in particular because the bishop uh, put out a, a, a letter right. uh, to parishioners and it was pretty pointed. Uh, and, and before we introduce the guest, let me just give you kind of a gist of what it says here. He says, we're in the middle of the 88th legislative session in Austin. And uh, he says, as primary educators of children, parents have a right to determine the best educational environment for their children. He goes on to say the Catholic Conference of Bishops supports a particular bill, House Bill 4340, which uh, aligns with uh, their priorities. And then he asks, there's a call to action in this, uh, where he, he, he says, please personally call or email your state representative. And he asks parishioners to ask their representatives to vote a certain way with this. Uh, and that caught our attention. It caught the attention of, of a lot of parishioners too. We've heard from right. some of those parishioners who didn't like it, um, but there are those who like it as well. And it's not just the Bishop of the Diocese of Dallas that did this, it's bishops across the state. Right. Galveston, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, Fort Worth. Uh, I, I believe that every bishop mm -hmm. in, the, in the Texas Conference of Catholic Bishops um, has done this because the, the conference itself is supporting it. So we reached out to the <coughs> Dallas Diocese and they said, hey, talk to Dr. Veronica Alonzo. She's the assistant superintendent of Associate Catholic superintendent. Associate, right? Yes. I asked you this before we started and then I didn't, I didn't <laughs> write it down. You gotta start making notes, I know, I, I really should, look at all this stuff. And I see assistant on your paper. I put assistant, that's why I read it wrong. Gosh, you gotta read off my so, notes. So, uh, <laughs> Veronica, thanks for coming in. Let, let's start with it. The, the diocese advocating for these education savings accounts if the legislature passed this, how many new students do you think would, would, would be coming into uh, Dallas Diocese schools here? Yeah, so if we were to just look at the numbers that we have now, first of all, thank you for allowing me for, to be able to sure. speak about something I feel passionately about, which is parental choice. Um, <clears throat> and agreeing with the bishops, I think you know parents are the primary educators and you know allowing them the opportunity to choose the best school, which could be our schools, but it could be their local public school, charter school, private, even homeschooling. Uh, but if we were to look at the at the data that we have now today, there's about 2,500 open seats within our schools. We would not have to hire additional teachers, mm. right? So that's if that were to happen now. Um, if this were to be expanded, um, there are, we could definitely allow for more than that because not all of our schools are at capacity, mm. right? And then we could have the conundrum where we're at capacity and now we're having to talk about opening ca new Catholic schools in parts of Texas, particularly North Texas, where we have a, you know parents who are seeking a Catholic education, but we maybe do not have a Catholic school close to their vicinity. So right now about 2,500 students we could enroll and then from there, and that's on top of the 15,000 that we have right now. But how, how many do you think would be, would be coming in if this opened up? I'm just not fully convinced that if this happens, that people are going to rush out of, of public schools and go to private schools. I think people who already have their, their children in private schools will definitely take advantage of this. But do you, do you guys expect an influx if this becomes law? So the way that the education savings account, I, I just want to clarify. So sure. the way that when I've spoken with the bishop and the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops, we want for this to begin to really make um, inroads with our most vulnerable populations, which are, are low resource families and, fa and students that have learning differences and learning disabilities, right? So if we were just to start there, um, you know, those are different conversations we have to have with families, right? Because right now of the bill, I think the maximum education savings account is about $8,000. Right. And the majority of our Catholic elementary schools are well below that, 
So, you know, so there are some families where this would be a game changer for them, especially if they have multiple children, mm -hmm. because it's one thing if you have one child, but if you have three or four, um, this is something that now possibly, you know, you may only consider sending one child because of the your economic um, situation at home versus now being able to send the whole family. So I see we would see possibly an increase in multi-child families. Um, but again, the parents know what's going, what to, what type of school environment that they need. If you are happy where you are now, it doesn't matter because there are already options that exist for you. So you're going to stay. This is for families that possibly want a faith-based Catholic education or those that say, I want to be able to find a school that aligns to meet the needs of my particular child. Do, so do Dr. Alonso, though, uh, you know, so you, you mentioned the 8,000 figure that's been tossed mm -hmm. around a lot with these uh, different voucher mm -hmm. programs. Uh, it, we've heard as high as uh, a little bit more than 10,000 10. mm -hmm. per student as well. Uh, as you get into those higher grades in middle school, high school, does that cover the full tuition at most Catholic schools? It does not cover the full tuition. And because that, because we are aware of that, our schools fundraise millions of dollars across the diocese to be able to help close the gap between the cost to educate, what we charge for tuition, and what families are able to contribute. And so we already do millions of fundraising. That is not going to stop. Because if you enter within our schools at the Catholic elementary school, we want to make sure that you continue to stay within our Catholic schools. We need to make sure that we keep it affordable and accessible, regardless of the educational savings account, that is another factor that we can consider into a family's contribution, but we still need to do um, what we, the fundraising aspect of it with donors and third parties, uh, et cetera, to be able to help close that gap. You know, there's a lot of people out there, though, who will say the Catholic Church is a huge institution. It's got a lot of money. It can fundraise in unbelievable ways. If you want more students, don't take state funding, taxpayer money, go fundraise and allow those students that choice. There are there are people who are saying this. What Correct. do you say to that? So what I would say is that my state tax dollars are mine and I think I should have a choice as a parent to be able to choose where, I, where I'd be able to send it. And so for myself as a parent, um, I'm paying my property taxes and taxes on top of the, the tuition that I'm paying for my children to attend a private school. But if I was able to have the ability to say, I want a portion of that money to be able to offset the cost of educating my child within a school that I believe is going to meet their needs, then I think I have that right, you know, as a parent, which is what we're trying to advocate for. Um, I also um, am fortunate that my husband and I are able to afford a um, Catholic education. We know that not all families can. And we also know that there are some families that they're limited to the school of choice based on the zip code and or the family income. And then depending upon that zip code, they may not have a quality school nearby but there could possibly be a quality Catholic school. So we're just saying there's public schools that exist and charter schools are an option, which already some state dollars follow, follow it there. All we're saying is let Catholic schools and private schools also be another third option for parents to decide. Again, um, it's not necessarily that we're taking money away from public school, but we're rather saying this is, this is where we want for it to go to best meet the needs of our children. The way Governor Abbott and a lot of proponents push this and promote it is parental choice. Mm -hmm. That already exists in a lot of districts, including Dallas ISD, Garland mm -hmm. ISD, a lot of places. If you live in a zip code that doesn't have the best elementary or middle school, you can send your child somewhere else across town. You can already you can already do that. Is parental choice really what this is about? Because it doesn't make any sense when these open districts already exist. And and, and if those open districts are not meeting the needs of the children, we're just saying, can we be one more option?
We're just saying, can we be an option? We're not saying we need to be the only option um, because we do have schools where um, there may be families that would have that would have to travel longer distances to be able to um, you know attend those schools of choice but if there's but if we can be a choice that's closer in proximity to what you know to their home and less travel time then that's all we're asking is just let that be a choice and let the family make that decision so Jason brought up the the phrase parental choice we have heard that a lot from the governor and from the lieutenant governor it's 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 you know been repeated uh, not only across Texas but across the country where this movement has um, been happening um, I was curious because I saw something from the the bishop in Fort Worth uh, Michael Olson uh, and, and he also wrote an op-ed, uh, like many of the bishops have recently. And in part of it, he says, during the past 24 months, parent dissatisfaction with pandemic policies and sensational stories of student indoctrination. Um, some of this matches uh, a lot of the talking points that we've you know, been hearing, particularly from, from GOP uh, lawmakers. And I'm curious if there is a concern, if there is a discussion within the diocese about the possibility of stepping over a line with some parishioners and, and perhaps taking a, a, a position where you're using language that sounds a lot like one party uh, on the, you know, in this sort of campaign. Is there a concern there about maybe creating some disaffected parishioners out there? I think that's, <laughs> um, I think with any um, information that comes from the bishops, right, it's always viewed through, it should be viewed through a lens of our Catholic social teachings and what we believe within our Catholic faith. Um, and I think what I have come to discover within the recent years is some, there's even polarization within what people believe within that aspect. And so I guess it doesn't surprise me what you're sharing with me, um, you know, in regards to that's what people are saying that it could be right I would just say that Jesus was the great teacher and it tells us all to serve as Jesus did and he also said in the Bible you know that parents should be the primary educators of their children so to me that's not divisive that's just something that we would like to follow um, within what we believe that family should have the ability to do mm -hmm. let me ask you about a uh, you've seen reaction from your own parishioners we're, we're starting down that road here but some have really gone public with this. Some have mm -hmm. emailed us. Uh, there's one woman named uh, Shannon Mentel or Mentel and uh, Mentel, I guess, in Richardson, who wrote a letter to the editor in the Dallas Morning News. And I'm, I'm sure you saw this letter. Did, have you seen this one? You can remind me. I'll, I'll remind you. I'll just I'll just read part of it here. Uh, she says in the you know halfway down in here, the Catholic Church has not urged parishioners to invest political energy on children being shot, a skyrocketing homeless crisis or the lack of adequate health care for a huge portion of Texans. Yet, this communication, she says, urges us to take action on a matter that increases revenue to private schools. These are her words here. And then she closes with, the church needs to rise above politics and go back to reminding us to always act in accordance with our spiritual conscience. This is deeply disappointing. She's referring to the the uh, letter from the bishop. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you respond to that? Because we haven't seen any diocese, to my knowledge, come out and, and talk about the, the shootings we had in Uvalde, the shootings we had in Nashville, Santa Fe, wherever. Uh, we've seen abortion, obviously, is something that the Catholic Church has talked about for years, but, but this is a specific political issue that the church will financially benefit from, the diocese will benefit from. 
What's your reaction to these parishioners who have concerns about this? I'm having trouble understanding what, what they mean by financial benefit. I mean, at this point... Well, if you guys get 2,500 more students in the open seats you guys have in the, in the Dallas schools, that's 2,500 more tuition bills that Correct. are going out that the taxpayers would be funding, right? Correct. And there's other data points that maybe people aren't aware of. If we look at the salaries that we pay our Catholic school teachers, um, we would love to be more competitive to what the public schools and charter schools offer. We're not there yet. I would love to be, you know, so to me, it also comes back to being able to provide um, additional benefits com comparable to what their peers are receiving within um, a different school environment. Uh, I'd also say, you know, we still have facilities. We still have all of these other aspects that, you know, that we need to take care of within the school. So to me, it's one of those where we're just trying to make sure that we're able to provide a safe and secure learning environment for our children. Right. And I think there was some there was a comment that you had made earlier in regards to um, I don't know if it was satisfaction or uh, belonging or um some statement and so one of the things that we that we keep track of within our within our catholic schools is you know that parent satisfaction parent satisfaction as globally as that can be it's like a campus climate culture survey right, right? Um, because the other assumption you're making is that right if this were to pass we're going to have people knocking at our doors knocking you know wanting to come to us right but we also have to make sure that our product is good and that we're delivering something that people want but right I, I think the point the parishioners are making is that the church is waiting into politics on something specific that will benefit the church as opposed to other humanitarian issues like children being shot like homelessness like like healthcare. That, that, that's the point that I've seen from people who've emailed us. Lance Cook emailed us and, and said something similar to that. Uh, Shannon from Richardson uh, mm -hmm. said the same thing too. The politics is the issue I think that is that is concerned parishioners. So there's a listing of other initiatives that the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops has asked collectively of the, as the bishops to support. And some of those um, do address some of the items that you have listed within that. And you're right, I think the loudest one that we would see would be um, the pro-life movement, right? But every year or every time there's a, uh, there's a legislative session, there's a list of numerous bills by which all of the, the bishops want for all of the Catholic parishioners to support across the state of Texas. And some of them do include those particular things. But to your point, I, or to their point is, I think this one targeted, I guess, call to action, right, is something that they're not they haven't seen before and therefore they're you know they're asking but to me it's more of the we're doing this because of the parents and we want to be an advocate for those children's and you know we want the we want to be able to help those parents are you surprised it. at the reaction no i'm not surprised really? i'm no um i have been in the school choice movement for about 25 years hmm. mm -hmm. there was an organization called hispanic creo the coalition for informant educational option back in the late 90s um I was involved with them. So this is not new to Texas. I think this is the first year and it's first, gotten this far. This is the first correct. time it's gotten this far. Correct. It has far, gotten yeah. this far. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because the iterations of it has looked different over the years. So, you know, this is an educational savings account. Um, and many, many years ago, people said, we don't want vouchers because people are going to go and they're going to buy brand new TVs. They're going to buy all of these things that have nothing to do with school. Where's the accountability piece, right? And so an education savings account, the money doesn't go exactly to the parent. It goes, it's going to go to a third party organization by which they're the ones that have to vet whatever the criteria are in order for quote that money then to be dispersed to the school of choice 
um, that, that that family is choosing, right? So I just want to clear that because I did read something online about um, something that, they, you know, how do you know that the money is actually going to be spent on a child's education, right? Um, and again, you know, the final parameters of the bill we're not sure of. You know, I've also seen one of the bills that talks about that maybe it can cost, pay for, help pay for uniforms or help pay for possibly textbooks, et cetera. Um, but I think in the end, it's just, it, it's another way another tool to help a family meet the needs meet the educational needs of their child. I think just to put a finer point on it too though as you mentioned this is something different this is something that parishioners might be seeing or hearing for the first time to see their bishop come out and support a specific bill and ask them to get involved in getting that bill passed or killed uh, and they're putting this in newspapers and, and perhaps people are getting letters and so forth. Uh, and, and I think that a lot of uh, the, the people we've heard from anyway say, you know, like you mentioned, the, the Texas Catholic bishops list this every legislative session, but you usually don't see it come out in a letter form and a call to action about a specific issue. And they're wondering why this issue, out of all of the issues, because a lot of these, you know, have a lot of gravity. They're, they're very grave issues in some cases. Why this one? And so why this one? Uh, out of all of the things that the Catholic Church, uh, you know, really supports or is against, why this issue? Why did this get raised to this level, this new level? I, you know, I, I can't speak for him. That would be a, a great question to ask him. Mm -hmm. I just know he feels passionately about this. and The bishop you're talking about? Yes, the mm -hmm. bishop, yes. Um, and I'm just able to speak as well as I can, but I also don't want to put words in his mouth to answer that particular question. Okay. Um, and, and just kind of talking a little bit more about the, the politics that are involved here, um, because, you know, ultimately it does become political when, you know, you have to say, hey, we, we support this bill. We'd like you to do something to support this bill. Uh, I was reading through a Pew article that was published in late 2020, uh, and they were talking about uh, the uh, political affiliations of Catholics, and they found in their polling that Catholics split almost down the middle, uh, Republican and Democrat, uh, that it's very even. Uh, and then that same article found that 62% of Catholics say that U.S. churches and other houses of worship should keep out of politics and stay in their lane. Mm. Um, your thoughts about that and about the church having this moment where it's saying, okay, polling aside, we're going forward with this because this is a priority. So I'd, you know, the face of the Catholic Church is increasingly Latino across the world, right? Um, and I don't know, you know, the statistics that you shared, how many of those are foreign-born Catholics versus Catholics that are This here. was American, uh, Amer just American Catholics. Okay. Yeah. And States. so the reason why that's important is if we, if our Catholic Church is universal, and it's growing in, in the the number of Latinos that represent it. And if they're foreign-born and coming from possibly countries where the church and state have had a particular, maybe not positive dynamic, um, then you know their point of view, the way that they see this involvement, may be different than what we have here in America, right? So I also. Um, you know, want for us to keep that in mind because that is an important population to also speak to or to and to listen to where their thoughts and their concerns are on this as well. Uh, and so I think it really just comes down to 
what has a prior experience been of the person that 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 was being asked this question because there you know i've also volunteered in central america where they say no the church needs to have a presence right because if we look at bishop oscar romero um, and what happened to him you know he was, you know, and ended up being killed and ended up being a martyr because he needed to step in to defend just the dignity of the person and the welfare. So, you know, different people are going to have different opinions because of that background aspect. You mentioned early on, and, and I think the, the conference of bishops is saying we, we really want to help a specific demographic of child, the, the lower income, the ones that might not be able to, to afford uh, private schools that, that I believe that's a priority that's yes. the priority yes, but if, if there's a bill that opens it up to beyond sure. that that then I the well, way that I see it it's, it'll be supported as well you mentioned early on Dr. Alonzo that, that, that the church raises millions of dollars too why not if that's a priority why doesn't the church spend some of the, the millions it raises to educate those children already to give them scholarships say hey come on in if you can't afford it we want to make sure you do have an opportunity to, to see our schools and to learn from uh, our teachers. Correct. So we do. So and so of the families that apply annually for financial aid, it's over $10 million every year that we would have to disperse. For 36 schools. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I, I'd love for <laughs> to raise that amount of money annually every year um, to be able to provide the financial assistance that you know, it's calculated their financial need. We're not able to provide that. And so there's um, a process on the back end by which to do, you know, by which able to say, this is how much we can help you with, right? So to your point, yes, I would love to everyone that has a need and wants to come to our Catholic schools to say, we'll figure out how to help you pay for it in addition to what you're going to contribute as well. We're not there yet. And what we're hoping is that this is just one more mechanism to be able to help those families. We, uh, Lance, the guy, one of the people who emailed us, uh, one of the things that he said, and we've heard this from other corners, and I'm sure that you all have heard it as well. Uh, if you are going to take, you know, stances on political issues, uh, then you ought to register as a PAC and start paying taxes uh, like the rest of us, just as an organization. Is that something that you've heard in meetings come up, like we should be careful here, you know, we've got people saying things like this, and this is a parishioner of 25 yeah. years. I have not heard that, and okay. so that that would be the first time I'm hearing anyone share that. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, it's not just the Catholic Church that it's not. plays in politics. There are massive churches all over the state that play in politics that do not register. Um, you mentioned accountability earlier, Dr. Alonzo, and that's one of the big things opponents say that, listen, if we start giving money to, to private schools, religious schools, or any schools, we're not going to be able to, to track how well that money is being spent. What do you say to those opponents? Hmm. Well, I'd uh, let, let, me, let me refine it like this. As a journalist, I can submit an open records request to any school, public school in, in the state or in this country and ask for specific information about testing or how kids are reading in third grade, et cetera. I can't get that from the diocese and I can't get that from charter schools. I can't get that from any other private school either. So all of those data points are important to us, again, because you know, we want for our schools to make sure that we're meeting the needs of our students and right. that we keep them on track. And never was it more important than COVID, right? Um, that COVID learning loss, et cetera. And so we've, you know, that is data that we've tracked even before. So but, as but far it's not as, public though. No, it's not public, but I have an annual report, which you're more than welcome to look at us on our website. You can see okay. our overall data because it, it is important to be able to share that as well, right? Um, 
But, you know, in, in regards to the accountability piece, I know one of the things that's very important is that the what is being supported for school choice is that this supports schools that are accredited. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that's important is that the accreditation process for which at least our Catholic schools have to do, it's every seven years, you know, there's a huge report that's compiled, it's submitted, and then a group of uh, other educators from across the state of Texas within Catholic schools come and verify that you're, what you say you are doing, you're actually doing. And you also are saying these are the areas we want to grow and improve upon because we all can do that, right? It's this improvement cycle. And they come in and confirm, yes, we agree that these are the areas that you need to continue to improve upon. So we do have that, that piece, that accreditation piece. You know, we have the annual campus climate survey data, right? I mean, and those are intangibles. How do you feel? Where, you know, with the participation and the level? And so, you know, the schools and as well as us, we use that again to be able to build out how can we continue to improve what it is that we're doing. We also do have some fall benchmark testing. We don't take necessarily the state test, but we do take a fall benchmark test. So where are the students? Right. We had summer and we know that for some student demographics, learning loss is more significant than others. And so where are they so that the teachers can can begin to meet the needs of the students within that classroom? And then how can we, our office, provide professional development or support and training for these schools to, to continue to make sure that these students are learning? But if that data is kept private with religious schools and with charter schools versus public schools, uh, is, is that fair? Because now we can't, let's say, let's say this passes and we get five years down the road. How do we know that this worked out better for all of these students when we can't compare apples to apples and go, look how they're doing in, in, in this block of schools versus public schools. This worked, this was a good idea, or this didn't work, it was a bad idea. So let me ask you a different question. What is the data point? that people would need to see in order to gauge that they're doing a good job. What does that data point look like it now? It seems like it always comes down to star, <laughs> star testing, testing, which everybody yeah. hates. Yeah. Uh, and wouldn't that, under uh, at least some of the proposals with these school vouchers, if I'm a voucher kid and I come to, to one of your schools in the Dallas Diocese, wouldn't I then be required to take the state testing versus the kids who are non-voucher kids there? So I don't know what it's going to look like in Texas, but I have seen it done at other states um, across the country, you know, so there's multiple states that have some form of a, states, yeah. of a school choice yeah. program, right? And so there are some Catholic schools within those states that have figured out, I guess, or those individual students to be able to take that test and report that information. So I guess what you're asking is that it possibly does exist already. I don't know whether or not that's what this legislature is going to want here within the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. You've been doing this 25 years, you said, advocating for school choice. Yes. 33 other states have it. Um, suburban and rural Republicans have just have, have killed it here in this state. Do you think it's finally going to pass? I'm hopeful. This yeah. is the <laughs> this is the furthest has it, it has come along ever. The conversations I've had with individuals when I went to Austin was really fruitful and meaningful in the sense of. Um, there were some people that had already, their office had told me, there's no way, they're just gonna not vote for it, they're going to shoot it down. And I said, well, can I at least have a conversation with them? I want to hear why. Help me understand the other side of this, right? Because if I'm able to understand, and if there's maybe data that's not factual, I'm able to present additional data, or then again, maybe I need to listen to a consideration that I had not considered that would be important for us if we wanted to turn the out. So for example, there was a, um, representative that I visited with and he represents this part of Dallas that has multiple Catholic schools and the, the He's one of your guys yeah mm -hmm. the conversation was um, why not 
And it was, well, I don't want universal. No, I just don't want for the money to go to the people that can already afford to pay it. If you can help me work with a bill that it will target the families that need it the most to really help make, you know, a, a cycle of change of, uh, in the, you know, for poverty or for socioeconomics, that is that something I can get behind. Hmm. See, I wouldn't have known that unless I went in and I had this conversation, hmm. right? And so that's information I can share back um, with our Texas Catholic Conference of Bishop to say, you know, I, I'm not writing the bills, obviously, but is there someone out there that if, if they do write a bill or if they can consider a nuance, is this something that maybe is worth consideration that others could possibly say, you know what, that is something I can support versus just universal and it goes to everybody. What'd they say? Uh, did, did you take it back to the, the conference? I did. And they said, they said <laughs> what'd they say? I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth. <laughs> thanks a lot, Veronica. <laughs> Stay in your lane. What'd they say? Uh, no, uh, <clears throat> they said, thanks a lot, Veronica. And I said, and I'll keep knocking on doors and I'll keep sharing information back with yeah. you. Are you going to be going back down to the legislature in the final three or four weeks here? Possibly. I've been asked to testify a few times already, and I have. Um, and so it's just a matter of, again, being able to share information with the groups that I'm in front of. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they've heard a lot. So it's more of what else can be meaningful to them as we begin to move the needle. And I think that's the important part is as this continues to get more traction and people have more questions and want more information what else what else can I provide you know do you want to hear from a family that could benefit do you want to hear from a family that is already sacrificing each parent working two jobs to be able you know to send their child to this particular school because and now they're thriving like what is it that these legislators need to hear or that they need to hear from from their constituents. I was I was reading someone uh, who said the other day uh, that they were basically sounding alarms here, saying that this isn't just about hey I can get this voucher money and then I can send my kid to a a Catholic school or any other religious school. They said that you know to get into that school you may have to announce a religious preference and take a test or uh, have an IQ uh, rating or an IQ score that's a certain uh, level. It, is that required? How does that work? If I just want my kid to come down there, do they have to pass certain tests to be able to come in in addition to this voucher that I'm yeah. bringing to the table? I think the question is how do we make sure that the family that's interested in attending, I'm going to speak for our Catholic schools, are going to be a good fit for what it is that we believe in our virtues and our beliefs and our customs, right? Mm -hmm. So that, doesn't, that does not necessarily mean that you have to be Catholic, right? Because you can be Christian. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can even be non-denational, you can be Muslim. And it, but if you um, visit with us, see what it is that we offer, our campus ministry program, when we go to mass, our theology classes, our religion classes, and that is still a good fit for you, then let, let's continue the conversation. In regards to aptitude, I think the, the important part is, because we're not public schools or charter schools, um, we cannot provide all of the um, finite care that certain students may need. And that is a Special really, education or what? Uh, well, special education is a very broad term. So for example, all of our campuses have a dyslexia therapist, mm, right? right? But let's say you, uh, and I'm going to throw out a list, numerous learning differences. Sure. Like if you need remedial, more remedial courses. No, I'm talking kind of. like dysgraphia, oh, dyslexia, yeah. all, you know, all of these other ones where you need almost one, a smaller ratio. Right. And we cannot provide that. We need to be honest and say you would, your child would be best served 
at a large, you know, at a public or charter school where they are able to provide this yeah. particular. And that's, so does my kid have to have a certain IQ or meet a, or, or pass a test then? No. Okay. So what we need to make sure is that your child is coming in at a level where they would be able to um, do the work academically. Now, we also know that statistically some families are very happy with their local public charter elementary school, right? But maybe for uh, middle school or high school, um, they're seeking academic rigor, maybe a smaller campus, et cetera. And so again, we just need to see, are you on grade level? You know, right. cause if you're coming in three grade levels behind, that's not fair to you because you're going to be so far behind from everyone else. Well, now some peers. critics though will say yeah. then that that might draw a lot of kids away to charter schools and religious schools, the kids who are not behind, who are able to, to make it into those schools. And then what's left behind at the public school is the kids who maybe couldn't make it into those religious or charter schools. And then that public school then suffers and that creates yeah. more vulnerability, <laughs> which is what the bishops say they're trying to prevent Got in the it. first place. So I would argue that the public and charter schools probably offer dual credit courses, early college courses, AP courses, additional courses that may be based on our student population and smaller campus size, we're not able to offer all of those. Mm. So no, you go to a public school, a high school, you're going to be, their goal is to prepare you for whatever that next phase of life you is. You may have more advanced options at the public school. Correct, yeah. and because of the partnerships they have with so many like Dallas College and other campuses here in the area, I mean, I know of, you know, some students graduate from high school with an associate's degree, and we have right. that also within within our schools, but the ability to do it at such a large level, you know, the public schools have that down. And so, again, it's a matter of what is it the parents are seeking for their child, right? Um, is it a single-sex school, right? We Some of those exist within the, um, within. Dallas and the Metroplex? Um, is it the small campus size? You know, there are, and even then, as a parent, I know my children, um, if I were to put my child, child in a very large private school, Catholic or private, um, they'd probably be a wallflower. Yeah, it might be jarring <laughs> for them, especially yeah, with the so background. Yeah, and so for me, yeah. being able to have the ability to find a school that would be a good fit for them so that they're able to thrive at that appropriate environment. All I'm asking is let's give other parents that opportunity and that ability to make that choice Dr. for themselves. Dr. Alonso, I'm gonna stiffen your spine here as an educator uh, and, and just say <laughs> some, some people predict that if one of these things goes through that, you know, maybe the Catholic Church will end up being sort of, you know, the dog that chased the car and actually caught it and then went, uh-oh, I caught the car, what do I do now? Uh, they predict that government regulation will invariably start seeping in to the school uh, because the, the state at some point may eventually start saying, hey, you're getting our money, so we're going to have to oversee some things or, or, you know, kind of control a little bit or at least, you know, have an effect on, you know, how you're teaching and what you're teaching and what you're doing. What is your feeling about that? I know that in, you know, in the initial phases, the bills say, no, you know, we're not going to do that. But things have a way of morphing over time. Is that a concern? I think it's a concern with anything that gets put into play, you know, because the uh, of the individuals that are going to be in the room that write this bill and pass it, I don't know if they're all going to be there in five years, if they're mm -hmm. going to be reelected or right. not, or what it's going to say. But, you know, during COVID, there was lots of COVID relief money. All schools are recipients of that if they wanted to be. Right. And so there are some quote, hoops that we had to jump through if we wanted to be recipients of those. And schools could private schools could opt out not to. Right. And again, it was one of those where we need this now. and Let's see where it's going to be right in five years. And to me, if we are good um, 
stewards of the funds that we are giving, given, and can show they're being used in the manner that they were meant to be used, then to me, I don't think we need the additional regulations because we're showing to you we're following the rules by which you put for us at the beginning. I understand if you put out rules and people are willy-nilly with it, then yeah, you need to come in tighter. But I think, you know, if we're using them the way it's supposed to be used, then great, let's keep it going. You know, here's the other aspect. How many states did you say this already exists? 33. In? Mm-hmm. 33 it. have it. Have any public or charter schools closed as a result of school choice in this? I can't answer that. That question. I don't know. Yeah. I think the answer is no. Probably wouldn't well, be well, national the, news. Well, then why are, te- why are Texas Republicans so, so adamantly against this for years? You know, you've been doing this 25 years. And, and they said, heck no, we're not doing that. Democrats have said no, but Republicans are the ones that are stopping this yeah. and have stopped <clears> it. <throat> so why are those Republicans looking at the other 33 states and hey, it worked there? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I, I don't get it then. Well, here's, when Here, I started in this 25 years yeah. ago, charter schools didn't even exist. Right. How did they get that to happen? Because that's the same thing. Proportion of the money sure. is following the child to this new school. And that was a big deal, what, 10 sure. years ago when it happened here, right? And yeah, and it's expanded since yeah. then. As you know, uh, institutions of worship uh, cover a very broad spectrum, and this would open it up for for everyone. Um, do you have concerns that you know we could see some fringe schools popping up that would be teaching kids here in Texas? You know, maybe even some things, some teachings, some values that the Catholic Church very much disagrees with. Do you worry about that? Is there a line that could be crossed there? And if so. Who decides where that yeah. line is? So, if a school or if a school is going to open or exist, um, it has to go through an accreditation process, and that all is handled through TEA. So we're accredited through our accreditation agency, which is recognized through TEA. So there are already some state level high requirements by which we all have to follow, right? But to your point, what happens if someone opens a school that does not align with ours? You have that choice now to homeschool your child if none of the schools that exist align with your personal beliefs, right? So to me, that it, it's, and they already work in cohorts and in networks um, within that. So I don't think what you're asking me would be too far off because they're already doing it for the individuals that do want something that's very concentrated on what they believe for their families. My last question for you, Veronica. Um, you've met face-to-face with these lawmakers in Austin. What do you think? opponents like Shannon who is a lives in Richardson Lance who lives in Dallas and others other parishioners and and lawmakers what do they not understand about this issue what can't you get across to them that you've been trying to get across I would ask for their um, empathy and put themselves in the situation of a family Whose, child, whose needs are not being met. The child's coming home, and this is an extreme, but not happy for whatever multitude of reasons, right? And they're able to be given this opportunity to be able to look around, to find a school where their child is excited to get up in the morning, to go to school, to feel like they belong, and to feel like they're a part of a greater community, and to be able to learn. All I'm saying is give that family the opportunity to make that choice. Um, when we hear from people like Shannon and Lance and so forth, uh, a lot of them, you know, seem like they're just turned off by the idea of being asked to do a certain thing about a certain bill or a certain issue, and they feel like they they, they want to keep the politics out. 
what is your sense as far as the church goes now that we have seen this next step where they are out there and saying, we're advocating for this, we're asking you to do this on this specific issue and we align with what this says. Will we see more of that? I mean, might bishops start getting comfortable I, yeah, with that I idea? I think this session is gonna be a litmus test, huh? In the sense of what we're seeing and what other bishops are doing across the state, um, I don't know. It could be, it could be, we could be at a precipice here of what's next to come in future legislative sessions based on what happens here. Hmm. Uh, last question, what are public schools in Texas getting wrong? What do Catholic schools get right? Public schools, it's not who's, who's wrong or who's right. Hmm. I'm a public school product. I loved my public school experience. Same here, but so am I, and that doesn't say great things. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so you're a public school product. That explains a lot about you. Whether, uh, did, uh, I am. I am too, um, though, for the record. Yeah, one of five. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and my parents, I'd say, were happy with the choices and options that we were given mm -hmm. before us. Now, I do remember at one point one of my younger siblings um, was not thriving at a public elementary school. And so my parents went to go speak to someone and was able to be go to another public elementary school. And then she was great. You know, now I don't know how my parents figured out how to be advocates, right? Um, but they figured it out. And so what I'm saying is we, I just want for parents to have a choice. And if they are seeking a faith-based education or a private school education, let that be one of their options for them to decide. Again, and if it's a public school, great. If it's a charter school, if it's a magnet school, if it's a collegiate school, if it's homeschooling, just make it be an option. Let them choose. Last thing, um, you were in this room with lawmakers. You get me all the time for saying last thing. I know, I've, I've said this it like four times. This is my third last question. This is my third and final <laughs> last question. You've been in rooms with these lawmakers trying to pick up on considerations that you haven't thought of. You've tried to share things with them that maybe mm -hmm. they haven't thought of. What would you think of the idea of being locked inside a church with some of these parishioners like the ones we've heard from, the one who wrote into the Dallas Morning News, who have really bad feelings about this? And before you answer that, just know that, you know, you might be signed up for that by the bishop like you were sent <laughs> right. to talk to yeah, us. Yeah, you were sent to talk to us. <laughs> what would you think about sitting down with parishioners who have a problem with this and having sort of a discussion? I, I get email. I got some of those emails, too. I picked up the phone and we, we talked. Hmm. What'd you tell them? I just wanted to listen to them. I wanted to listen to what their concerns were. And there were some things that I did not have an answer for, but I needed to hear where their hearts were and they needed to also hear where I was with this. And I don't know if I changed their minds. I don't know if I moved them more towards the middle or not, but they also need to understand this isn't just a piece of paper. I mean, we're talking about changing people's lives. People who are in a cycle of poverty and children who... Um, may not be thriving within their Catholic school or within their school period for whatever reason, uh, for safety, security, for school size, for learning differences. Um, and again, being a mom is just one of those where when I sit and have conversations with some of these people that are parents, I'm like, don't you want the best for your kid? Yeah, so do I. Hmm. I just want to help be an advocate for these other families to let them make that choice. But the conversations ended civilly. Yes, it has. No one's hung up on me yet. <laughs> you haven't hung up on anybody else yet? No, no, no. <laughs> All right, Veronica Alonzo, Dr. Veronica Alonzo, the Associate Superintendent of Catholic Schools at the uh, Diocese of Dallas. We now know why the bishop sent you 
to talk about this since you've been advocating for this for a quarter of a century. So we appreciate the insight and, and hope that our audience gets something out of this because you took a lot of tough questions from us. You're welcome. It's always hard when you're taking questions about the, the writings of others too. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thank you for giving me the opportunity. You know, we'll close with this. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that I think has held this back, and, and uh, you know, Dr. Alonso knows this probably better than the rest of us since she's been in this for a long time. One of the things that has held this back over the years is the fact that the Texas Constitution actually lays out that not, you can't use state funds right. for religious schools or private, you know, schools. Um, and, and, and that has been sort of worked around here. Uh, the, the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, came out recently and said, well, no, you know, because these vouchers would be fine because that's not coming from the school fund. I guess it would come from a different pot of money, which makes it a different ball game. Uh, he also says that, you know, the, the other provisions in the Constitution uh, that mention this are just not enforceable. And so therefore, this is doable. One month left in the legislature. We'll find out what happens. And, and maybe an extra session after that. Who it knows? might go into the summer to get this one figured out. But Dallas could become, not Dallas, Texas could become the 34th state to, uh, to have school choice. We'll have to wait and see. We shall wait and see because it's going to be, I think this will be interesting all the way down to the wire. Don't yeah. know that it'll get done. We can't often say that as you're heading down through a legislative session like this. Usually you have a feeling that, yep, yeah, that's definitely probably going to get done or nah, that's not going to happen at all. This one is really up in the air. I, Governor Abbott's spending a lot of political capital on this. He, mm -hmm. he knows something in the background yeah. that, that is, is making him continue to tour the state even after House Republicans and Democrats said, we're not interested in doing that this session. Mm -hmm. Lieutenant Governor Patrick said, no, Jason, this is not dead this session. Something's happening in the background, and whether it happens in the next 30 days uh, of the legislature or whether it happens later this summer in a special session, I think this might be the year. Leave us a message. Let us know what you think about this podcast. Um, and uh, follow us here. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. And always let your friends and family know to do the same. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Eolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.